Before we get into today's episode, I would like to do some public service announcements for some upcoming conferences in Ontario. So if you are from Ontario or you're going to be in Ontario uh, during May, especially in the beginning of June, grab a pen and paper or your day timer or your tablet or whatever you choose to use to write down these important dates and I will let you know what's happening in Ontario coming up. If you're listening to this in real time, it is April 2022, and we're just starting to get back into things opening up after the pandemic and having some in-person events. First and main events that I'm going to be talking about are the OCHEC conferences, and I said conferences plural. So OCHEC is the Ontario Christian Home Educators Connection. And for about, I think, 27 years or so, OCHEC has been having conferences. This year, they've decided instead of having one huge epic conference like they usually do, and I've been there and it's amazing, they're going to divide it into four more regional events. And so they're going to have still curriculum vendors. They're going to have speakers, keynotes, and workshops And so they're just going to be smaller events that are located more regionally. So the first event is going to be on May the 7th in Wellenport. And if you don't know, that's in the Niagara region. And so there's going to be one there. Then on Saturday, May 14th, they're going to be holding one in Barrie, Ontario, which is about an hour north of Toronto and close to my home. So I'm actually going to be speaking there and I'm going to have a table for Canadian A educational resources. So if you're a podcast listener, I'd love it if you could come that day and stop by the table and let me know that you're listening and and we can chat. And you can see my new children's picture books and other things that we have available. And then on Saturday, May 21st in London, Ontario, so that's more um, to the west of Toronto, there is going to be one. And then on Saturday, June 4th in the Durham region, which will be in Whitby. And it's possible that I might be at that one as well. Who knows? Maybe I'll be at all of them. I don't know. We're still uh, sorting all of that out. So that is what's happening with the Ontario Homeschool Conference this year. There also will be a used book and curriculum sale in Barrie on Tuesday, May the 24th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. So that's something that if you have books for sale or you'd like to get some at a reduced rate because they're used, you can do that if you're in the area close to Barrie. So those are a couple of things that are going on. And then April 20th to 22nd, there will be a Canadian Homeschool Symposium and that will be online so those are just some of the things that are coming up i wanted to make you aware of if you're listening and you're an organizer for an event or conference that is coming up in another province or territory i would be happy to give a shout out on the podcast about those if you just send me information at info at headphonehistory.com and i can let 
our listeners know what is available for them across the country. I'm happy to do that. That's one of the reasons why I am here. It's very fitting that our guest today will be Christine Dittman, and she happens to be organizing the Barry Conference as well as the Used Curriculum Fair in Barry. So stay tuned. Welcome to Canada Homeschools, the dose of inspiration and encouragement for Canadian homeschoolers. Canada Homeschools features interviews with homeschool group organizers, resource suppliers, and conversations with everyday homeschoolers just like you, all from a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Rowan Atkinson. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. In 400 meters. In 100 meters. You have reached your destination. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce Christine Dittman, a busy work-at-home homeschooling mom in Simcoe County, where I live, and a friendly face and supporter of homeschoolers in Simcoe County and beyond. Welcome, Christine. Thank you. So, Christine, tell me about your family and your homeschooling journey. My husband and I have 10 children. We've got five boys and five girls. Woohoo! They're, the oldest is 28, and, and three of them are adults now, and then the youngest is six, and our eldest has a little girl. She's seven, so we have a granddaughter, too. Uh, we started homeschooling when my firstborn was ready to go to kindergarten, and I didn't realize that you got to sign them up for kindergarten, like, during the school year before already, so it was the summertime, and I thought, oh, I better sign her up for school, and by that time, the classroom that of the school that she was going to go to was full, the kindergarten classroom. And because she was just under six, they weren't required to have a space available or something. And we lived in the country. So we were told that she would have to take a bus and go to that school and then get on another bus and go to another school. So she would be on the bus 45 minutes on two buses morning and night. And I didn't like that idea for my four-year-old. So I thought, well, I guess we're homeschooling because I had friends that homeschooled. And so I didn't feel uncomfortable with the idea. It just wasn't in the plan, but (laughs) that's how we got started. And it worked and I liked it. And so we did it next year and we just carried on. That's a very long bus ride for a four-year-old and especially switching buses. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of neat how that decision just kind of happened for you to start. Kind of happened for me, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, can you tell us even a little more about your family and, uh, like, what they're up to these days? Oh, okay. Um, So my oldest, she went back to school for, uh, like, a like a rec center coordinator or activity coordinator in a senior home, that kind of job. And so she, she did actually move home for a couple of years 
uh, you know, so we could help her with babysitting and cause she's a single mom. So she, she completed that. And, uh, so now she's working at the Y and she gave up her job at a senior home so that she could go back to school again. <laughs> it's just a shorter course. She's going to be a phlebotomist, which is the person who sticks you with needles when you need a blood test. Uh, she thinks that would suit her very well. And then my next daughter, she has done post-secondary studies at different places. She's done online studies with Athabasca. She's done some Georgian college. She's changed her program a couple of times, but now she seems pretty settled. She is doing York University for um, game programming, computer game programming, and she enjoys that. And that's all online. So she's, she's at home. I have one who wants to do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. She, well, she didn't want to get vaccinated. And so she looked for an online option and yeah, it was there and she got in no problem. So that was good. And then um, my next son, he's, uh, I guess he's 22. I might be wrong. I hope I'm not. <laughs> it's hard to remember when you got 10 kids, how it keeps changing. Um, I usually round he, up. I only have four, but I tend <laughs> I guess to round don't up. Offend. Whatever oh, yes, their I, next birthday is, that's what probably I'm going to tell you. I know it's better to call them 11 than nine. Yeah. <laughs> Until yeah. they get 30 and then they prefer it to go the other way. Oh, then you have to round down. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyways, he's, he's doing online studies with Athabasca, but he's very keen on the computer programming. He did some Georgian college, but since he already knew quite a bit about computer programming, he didn't find he was learning a whole lot and he was a bit frustrated um, with the teachers, you know, not quite knowing the level he was expecting to learn at. So uh, he, he did that for a little bit, but he's done Athabasca studies. He's enrolled in a math major right now, but he's not sure if he'll complete it. And actually he's hoping to, He's, he wants to apply to a university in the Netherlands and move there, <laughs> but that'll be next year, not this year. So that's his plan. And they've all done well. And yeah. Well, good for you, mom, bringing them to that point. <laughs> it sounds like they're all very math and sciencey. Yeah. They, yeah. They were all good at math. Yeah. I'm, I like math too. I was going to ask, that was going to be my yeah. next question, if that's sort of the area that you uh, feel. Like the answer is either right or wrong, and I, I like that. There's no ambivalence. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I totally, I totally live in the ambivalence of philosophical ideas myself, and uh, <laughs> well, I'm okay at math, and I took a lot of science as well, but. Yeah, it's interesting using both sides of the brain for sure. Mm-hmm. So you are a very busy, multitasking, homeschooling mom. Not only have you been homeschooling your family, but you've also been involved in supporting other homeschoolers. And one of the things you do is the Simcoe County Homeschool Info Link. Can you tell us about that? Uh, Yeah, it started. I'm not sure exactly when it started, but it was at least two decades ago it started with a phone tree that was eventually replaced with a newsletter and in 2016 um 
Henry Kiesbrink was looking for somebody to be the editor for the newsletter so he could step back just a little bit and make time for other things. And and I was keen to do that. So I became the newsletter editor. And then in 2019, Henry and Karina retired from homeschool support roles. They have more grandchildren now. And yeah. And so then I just done their part. Yeah, they've done their part for sure. Actually, a couple decades of doing their part. So I should get Karina Um, on the podcast too. Oh, yeah. She's got 12 children. (laughs) I only have 10. (laughs) I only have four. (laughs) And the listeners with two are going, ah. (laughs) But anyways, yeah. So then I, I, now I do all the the things with the newsletter and the newsletter sends out 10 monthly newsletters um, each, each school year from September to June. And there's an article in each one with some encourage. I hope it's encouraging. <laughs> um, and then most of the newsletter is about homeschool activities and things that are discounts maybe, or conferences or, you know, just different things that are available to homeschoolers in Simcoe County. That's great. And, are, you, yeah. are you ever looking for people to write articles? Maybe someone listening is a writer or maybe someone has a wish list of things they'll do when they have more time. I would, I would welcome that. Um, yeah, I had one time I had, um, I had somebody write an article for me because I was, I was very busy that month. It was a Christmas when I had family from overseas and then I asked her to to write one for me and she did an excellent job and and I asked her to write about homeschooling high school because I wasn't very experienced and I knew I wasn't writing a lot about homeschooling high school yet so so she did that for me and I was very relieved it was it was nice cool and how how can people get connected with that newsletter if they want to is there a website or yeah there is a website um somebody volunteered and made one for me a couple of years ago it's s-c-h-i-l.ca skill.ca great we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well and then if they want to just email directly it's s.c.h.i.l at hotmail.com and that's the email address you can just email me directly too Okay, great. Thanks for that. We can put those links and that information in the webpage for this episode. And that way they can just click on it and get directly to what they need. Thanks for that. All right, Christine, there is so much that we could talk about with all of your experience. And maybe we'll have another chat sometime on one of the many topics that you can speak to. But today I want us to focus on being a work at home homeschooling mom particularly with a large family and what that looks like for you. So tell us about your work and how you do that juggle. Okay. Um, I sell Lego parts and minifigures online. I sell on two platforms, Bricklink and Brick Owl, and my store is called Berry Bricks. Uh, I started it six years ago. I was just packing up a whole bunch of boxes of Lego for the thrift store. And I thought, oh, man, that's a lot of Lego. (laughs) I want to just give it away. And then I thought, just kind of on a whim, maybe I'll try selling it on on Bricklink or something. And I started with a a wee little desk in the corner. And and now it's grown to sometimes it's more than a full-time job. So especially during COVID, 
people seem to want to buy Lego during COVID. <laughs> and yeah. And then, yeah. So after a couple of, after a year, I guess I, I added the platform brick owls. So I sell on two platforms, the same, same name of the store and people can just order whatever they want to order to complete their sets or build something incredible out of their creative minds. <laughs> yes. I love Lego. Lego and Playmobil are the two kind of forever toys that I will always have in my house. I didn't let the kids take those when they moved out. It's I told yep. them when they were children that these will be staying here for the grandchildren. And, yep. and that and a lot of money is invested into these Legos and Playmobiles. <laughs> not, not inexpensive, that's true. No, and it's impossible to kind of divide up, right? Once they've been playing with it for a few years. So yeah, uh, you probably know how to do that because you know how to package sets and everything. But um, yeah, we, we still have our Lego and our Playmobil and we always will, Lord willing. So right. yeah, so it sounds like your business has really grown and how... How does that work in your homeschool? Because I know having businesses myself that sometimes there's quite a pull between what you need to do for your business and Mm -hmm. homeschooling. And sometimes one might win out over the other, even if it maybe shouldn't. And it's just, it's a challenge. So how have you managed that challenge? Um, it's, It's the kind of business where I'm able to do it any time during the day, you know, so that helps. And I don't need to take phone calls from people, any court, any communicating I do with my buyers is, is just by email. So, so that helps. Um, sometimes, uh, for example, when I'm putting the little girls to bed at night and, and I know that they might not stay in their bed, then I sit outside in the hall and I'm sorting inventory to, to upload the next morning. So I, I kind of find other times to do it besides just, you know, the nine to five. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it does. So being flexible is definitely something that you have to do if you're a work from home mom, even if you don't, but especially. No, and and sometimes I've just closed the store for a couple of weeks because I was, you know, getting tired of seeing what my house looks like or whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Get caught up on stuff. Yeah. Or if we have company, then I close the store for a couple of weeks or so there's that too. It's good that, that your platforms that you use have that option Mm -hmm. because that allows you to set some boundaries because I feel like boundaries are super important when you're juggling both things. Yeah. Yeah. The the only thing that's a a bit of a, a struggle with, with mine is that I can't set the number of hours I work quite so easily because especially during the winter the orders just come and and then you you have to deal with them in a time and then you have to deal with them and yeah yeah, so I that's one thing that um yeah that's a bit of a challenge for me yeah yeah it would be for anyone yeah so having a large family how does that help with your business because maybe it does maybe it doesn't talk about that um well it's it's nice it's it's better i think for me to be working from home than working outside the home because then i'm i'm here to take care of i don't mind getting interrupted 
when somebody wants a piece of toast or somebody has a math question or, and so in, in that way, it's, it's okay with a large family also. Uh, when, when I, when the girls were little, they were helping me to sort the Lego. And so they, they learned their colors when they were like two years old, already. <laughs> they knew all their colors. And, and I think that was, that was nice. I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, so if you can include the kids in, in the business, sometimes that. Yeah. Yeah. My, my older daughter, before she, uh, before she got a dog that she has to, well, it was, when it's a puppy, of course, you know, you have to look after it like, like a baby or something <laughs> and so uh before she got the puppy she uh she would help me in the store sometimes when I got busy and then that helped her to get a little extra income for herself and it would relieve me of some of my yeah she was a a top-notch helper <laughs> until you know the puppy came into her life but yes. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> well and she probably learned some things about business and so on that you know were yeah, actually, she yeah. opened up her own store for a little while. Yeah. Nice. nice. Yeah. So homeschoolers, incidentally, um, when they've surveyed them, they do sort of score higher on entrepreneurship. Like they're more likely to be entrepreneurial, probably because they've grown up with a home business or a family business or um, just learning to think outside the box a little bit and go and make your own life. Yeah, I think that's that's played out with my kids so far. They don't have a lot of uh, job experience, but uh, the one he's done tutoring for Georgian college students. And then, well, the other one's doing some tutoring too. She really enjoys it. Tutoring was my first business too, other than maybe prefers it over Tim Hortons. (laughs) (laughs) That was my favorite job. (laughs) And it's a better hourly wage too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, she appreciates that. Yep, for yeah. sure, for sure, especially these days. Mm-hmm. So let's let's steer away from the work part and let's talk about having a large family a little more. What are some of the challenges? Obviously, just busyness and the amount of responsibility. I'm guessing is a challenge. But what are some of the benefits of having a large family as well, in terms of homeschooling? I hadn't really you haven't had time to think about it. Me You've been too busy with all your children. <laughs> um, I, I like having a big a big family. It suits me very well. Um, I think it's nice they always have somebody they can interact with because, of course, you don't always get along with your sibling. I remember when I was younger, I had only one sister, and and there was about a two year period where we barely talked to each other. We're best of friends now. She's the best sister in the world. But um, yeah, it's just times when you gravitate towards a different sibling or something. And and I think that's nice for the kids. They always have somebody they get along with and play with. Um, they don't have as many chores to do because <laughs> many hands make light work. That's right. So they like and, that. And it's good for kids to have chores. Oh, yes. Definitely. To learn to be contributing citizens, not just. But they don't have as many as people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's efficiencies. Uh, You think, oh, wow, 10 children, that's so much work. But I still only cook, you know, two or three times a day. 
I'm not, you know, you, you make the same amount, you just make a bigger amount, but it's, you don't put out, you know, more food, really. You know what I mean? Yes. It's not more work. It's not, there's, it's there's not, more laundry, the but that amount happens of to be a job that I don't mind doing. I like laundry. So <laughs> there's a bit more laundry, but yeah, but they can do their own laundry too. Yep. Like mine, I've been doing there since they were 10, even my son. Yeah. My, my adult I own kid. laundry businesses, so they kind of had to learn to do their own. Oh yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to come home and do their laundry when they could do it. Yeah. Yeah, my laundry room is teeny tiny, so I only have one of my adult children that does her own laundry. If I have everybody doing their own laundry, then we have to always wait for the machine, and it's just not as efficient that way. But so they get off with not doing their laundry. (laughs) It sounds like uh, learning to be very efficient is a benefit of having a large family. I guess so. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to figure out how to do it the easiest way, the simplest way. Yeah. Yeah. Is it fun having a grandchild? Because I'm not there yet. I have a married daughter, but I... But oh, you're going to love it more than you yet. think you will. Oh, I think I'll love it, so... <laughs> oh, you're going to love <laughs> it even more than that. <laughs> That's yeah. good. But is it fun having... Um, is it fun having a grandchild and still having younger kids? Like yeah, that's kind of neat. Every comes, family doesn't have that. Yeah, she's she's a little older than my youngest. She comes in between my two youngest, and uh, the three of them they just they just play like three little peas in a pod. They have a lot of fun together. That's really neat. Yeah. So, can you give us some practical tips or advice for being a work at home mom with a large family, or just having a large family? Like some tips. Um, I would try to have it so that you can set the number of hours that you'll work. Um, that's one of the things that I struggle with. And I wish that sometimes I think, oh, what could I, is there something else I could do where I could be more structured in how many hours I work? Cause yeah. Uh, another tip, I, I don't keep a lot of stuff in the house. Uh, if I don't need it, out it goes. And when everything has a place to go and there isn't too much clutter and stuff, you know, when you have a large family, you don't need to have, you know, 20 sets of clothes for each of your kids. Five or seven will do, you know, <laughs> yeah. just I have less stuff than a lot of people, I think. And yeah, I think that's one of the most important tips. Yeah. The kids used to have a lot of toys and and then I got rid of, I don't know, about 75% of the toys. This was about 10 years ago or something. I got rid of a lot of toys. And they they still entertain themselves just as well. They didn't seem to miss them and kept the house a lot tidier. It was easier for them, too, because if, if it looked like a bomb went off in my house, I'd say, hey, you got to clean up your toys. And then it, it was a very big task for them, you know. But It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming, yeah. Um And I also have learned to write everything down. I do not trust my memory for anything. And when you get it out of your head and onto paper, it's just a lot less brain fog and it's easier that way. And and I make time for planning too. Like before the kids go, before I go to bed, I've kind of looked at the next day and written down my to-do list and 
kind of even sometimes planned, you know, a bit of an order of what, oh, you know, I'll do this first and then this. And yeah. Do you ever get your whole list done? Or at least it's a good starting point. <laughs> You're kidding, right? <laughs> no, exactly. Never, I just I thought, thought it would be done. helpful to, for listeners to hear that. Because yeah. we hear about people making lists and then we kind of guilt ourselves and kill ourselves trying to finish the list, but lists yeah. aren't ever finished. So I thought it might I, be I always think it's good to, to, to have your goals a little higher than you're actually going to achieve, but also be okay with not achieving all your goals because then you've got more to reach for. I think if you set your goals so low that they're easily achievable, then you're, you're going to miss out on what you could have gotten done. I don't know. Yeah. You wouldn't be very productive. Yeah. Set the bar too low. If my list, if my to-do list was only three items long, I would get it done. But and some productivity experts say to only have three things on your list. Yeah. Yeah. If you, but I guess that depends on personality too. If, if that means a lot to you, having that sense of accomplishment, then, then that might be good advice. But if you're okay with not being perfect and not getting it all done, then I would just write it all down, <laughs> make a big list <laughs> and try your best. Do you think that the longer you've homeschooled and the bigger your family has grown, it's been a learning process to become more okay with not doing everything that you used to expect yourself to do? Like, were you always relaxed about it or were you, um, is that something you've grown into? I, I have always been fairly relaxed. Yeah, I, I probably... I probably grew into it a bit too. I don't know. I couldn't say. I don't remember me 20 years ago. <laughs> it's all a blur. It's all a blur. <laughs> Can you speak to the role of dad when both parents are working and you have a large homeschooling family? And I will just say the disclaimer that, of course, it will be uh, different for every family. And so I'm not trying to uh, prescribe anything or have you prescribe anything, but just uh, share a little bit about that. Uh, when we were first, uh, when we had a very young family, then as little children and little children want mommy, mommy, mommy for everything. And so he wasn't as involved. And yeah. also he was, he was commuting and working longer hours as he worked his way up that corporate ladder. <laughs> and it was a busy time. But then as we got more children, then, then I, I couldn't do it all. And I needed him to do a bit more of the child minding and um and then when I started my online business then sometimes if I had a really busy day then it's just like well I don't have time to make dinner and you know then so he started doing a bit more of the cooking too sometimes yeah it just kind of progressed <laughs> so I'm hearing that um the roles change over time and that there needs to be some flexibility and some communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that, and that's good that he did pitch in. And that's good that he does some of the cooking too. We found that when I was, um, when I was uh, starting to work more outside the home, then if he gets home from work before I do, then it makes sense for him to start supper. 
Mm-hmm. Not wait all the way till I get home and then I start supper if he's already yeah, who there. Yeah, eat dinner at 7.30. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah. just, but before that, when I was home all the time, then it made sense for me to make supper. So you just have yeah. to communicate um, what makes sense and it changes and what it the changes. expectations now are. He and- works from home for the last two years, so it's, it's even easier for him. You know, I, I didn't feel like asking too much of him when he just spent an hour and a half in traffic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when my husband was doing farm chores after work and before work, right, I wasn't going to ask him to do too much around the house. But then when he didn't have that anymore, then that's a little different. So That's right. But the kids and I could accomplish quite a bit and then he didn't need to do too much. So it just it changes all the time. It does change. On the situation. Yeah. So early in the pandemic, many parents were looking into homeschooling as the schools were being closed or they had concerns about their children returning to school and all the up and down of it. And you had the opportunity to share your wisdom in some interviews. Can you share a little bit about that with us? Uh, I I remember doing an interview for the Barry Public Library. Um, And I, I did answer a lot of questions from parenting parents that were considering uh homeschooling when it was online school and that wasn't working too well for all the children and so some of them were like "Ooh, maybe we should just homeschool uh that was through the newsletter they would contact me i'm not sure if i did any other interview but maybe i'm just forgetting it's all a blur <laughs> Well, yeah, I saw one of your interviews on uh, Simcoe.com, I think it was, and maybe the Toronto.com oh, picked it that's up. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I remember doing that one. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed um, on our podcast, we usually have between 1,000 and 1,500 listeners, but at the beginning of the pandemic, I, I didn't ha- I had to work so much as an essential worker and not being able to keep my staff because of the business sales going way down. And, and so I had to work twice as much. And, and so I didn't have time to check my analytics, but then at the end of the summer, when I had time to check, it was like 21,000 oh. <laughs> just for that time, because I had a few episodes on, just, right. <laughs> you know, if you're a beginner on homeschooling, you know, what you need to know or how to get started or things like that. And, uh, it was quite an increase. I wish I had. I wish I had had time to uh, be there for all of those people more than I was. But um, hopefully, they found something that that was of use to them. But yeah, this so. is great. There's so much available online now. Mm-hmm. Hard to find find out about homeschooling. It's true. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we started, you basically had to homeschool your kids Mennonite or American with the basic two curriculums that were out there, right? And now it's yeah. almost like the opposite uh, problem that you uh, so that much to pick so from. much to choose from. It's so overwhelming. Yeah. 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 But I think that curriculum is always a work in progress and you don't know if it works for you until you try it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then sometimes one curriculum's working well for a few years and then you find that you need to switch it up or something. Yep. You never know. Or if you have a, a business suddenly and 
maybe having one or two subjects a little more uh, pre-programmed, computerized or whatever. I know with um, yeah. with my older two, I just wanted to really make sure their English and math was, you know, well taken care of. And uh, so I did switch on Schoolhouse for just those two subjects for a couple of years just to know because it marks it for you too. <laughs> so that's very nice. helpful. I mean, you have to go back and mark like the essay questions because the computer can't mark that, but all the right and wrong stuff it can mark. And yeah, I yeah. found that very helpful, but I never would have used that before when I didn't have a business and I was only homeschooling. I, I would feel that that was like a cop out, but that was snobby of me really. Cause it's not, it's, cop out. <laughs> it's not a cop out at all. No, it is That's not what it's there for. Yeah. And with a large family too, things like that can help, right. To uh, just keep it all going and knowing that the main things that are most important are getting done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things you said in one of your interviews, I'm quoting you to you, which is always fun, is homeschooling is not for everyone, but everyone who wants to can find a way to make it work. So thank you for sharing some of the ways that you have made it work for your household, and hopefully that will be helpful to someone. Are you ready for the home stretch? <laughs> well, scary questions. I have the experience and, and the know-how. Um... I, I watch the the kids complete their homeschool, so I'm not worried that this experiment is going to fail or anything. <laughs> um, so that helps. Uh, I've I've talked to a cu- couple other homeschool moms that were homeschooling large families, you know, over two decades of homeschooling, and I think after a while you start to get I don't know homeschool fatigue. I don't know. Yes. Is it boring after a while? Or yes. I don't know. <laughs> so when you call it a home stretch, that is what it feels like sometimes. It's a marathon. My, yeah, my it's youngest is six. Yeah. And I think, oh boy, I still have this many years left, but but then I won't be always having seven students at once. So um yeah, I I'm prepared for it because I've got twenty years of experience now. Yes. <laughs> And a lot of homeschooling is just parenting. Yeah. Right. And parenting <laughs> is not a sprint either. It's a marathon and you don't even get to see their results till, you know, they're grown. And I'm going to add now that I have 20 somethings that I don't feel like those are the results just yet. I would like to see in a few more years <laughs> <laughs> before I weigh in on the, the results. How this experiment turned I know out. That, yeah. <laughs> I know their academics are exceptional, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> and their work ethics, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Well, it sounds like it's been a success. <laughs> I mean, everyone has free will, right? So <laughs> there is, yeah. it's not only what we do as parents, it's also what they choose as well. And, and we have really good kids. I'm not saying anything negative about them, but. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, when they're in their 20s, you you have less control and you just pray more and speak less kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how we roll. <laughs> Agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> the Canada Homeschools podcast is brought to you by Headphone History, your complete Canadian elementary history curriculum. 
Headphone History comes with audio lessons, stories, and legends in a reproducible workbook designed for the whole family. Go to headphonehistory.com. It's important for us to learn our history. So probably you have so many homeschool moments that you um, can't pick out just one thing, but what has been your worst homeschooling moment or moments or a theme of, of what's been a challenge or in your homeschooling? Um, several years ago, we had some family stress and we weren't getting as much homeschooling done. And that, that was stressful for me because I felt, I felt guilty. Like I wasn't, you know, doing what my children needed. And and we did put them in um, private Christian schools for a couple of years. And, and they're wonderful schools, but in the end, I'm a homeschooler. <laughs> I want my children's education to be geared specifically to them. And I didn't want their time to be wasted on something they already knew how to do or, or things like that, you know? So we did return back to homeschooling. Um, and then a couple of years ago was another stressful time. My mom had a stroke and I needed to help her a lot to sell her house and, and all kinds of things, look after her for a few months before we found a place for her. And um, that time I didn't put them in school and we did less homeschooling because I had less time. Um, but in that time, my eight-year-old learned how to read. And I didn't teach him. <laughs> I, I was starting to feel, again, very like I was neglecting him. And then so it was September and I, I got out the reader and I thought, well, let's see what you've learned. We have to get started here. And I sat him down and the kid knew how to read. And I'm like, okay, where'd you learn how to read? I can't believe I'm going to tell you this. He learned how to read from playing video games. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? But yeah, somehow they, they're still learning, even if things aren't going smoothly. Those were the hardest times for me. They're so also learning. I knew I wasn't doing as much as I could have or should have or whatever. They're also learning about the importance of looking after your own family. That's true. Of trouble and what priorities really are, right? Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. true. We've had some times of great challenge, and I know the homeschooling fell by the wayside during that time quite a bit. It was just not that we didn't do it, but you're just kind of going through the motions, or you're just kind of throwing the books at, not literally throwing them at them, but <laughs> just you know, <laughs> I know throwing you them on the table and saying, "Do the stuff yeah, that you're not free hours and following <laughs> okay. up." And so you just prioritize what are the things most important. And for us, it was like English, math, and Bible. If we got that done, that you know, that's fine. Go run around in the forest the rest of the time, <laughs> extra long recesses. But you know what? They, um, they all have done well academically, despite having a year or two like that. And there's grace for that. So if you're listening, there is grace for that. It's not about, um, learning a specific fact that's on a specific curriculum. It's about being able to learn. And so <laughs> they can just pick it up as they as they uh pick it up later it's not the end of the world if they miss a chapter in a book in a textbook so yeah yeah well I didn't I went through school and 
I still didn't, I still had more to learn too. I didn't learn everything out there that there is to learn. Mm-hmm. And nobody's children will learn everything there is to learn. There'll always oh, be stats yeah. or things that you didn't learn. And that's okay. Yeah. And it, and I mean, that's why the school system is designed so that about 60% of the kids hopefully learn things and then they circle back and have 30% review the next year and so on and so forth. Uh, just because it's in that like review cycle, because they're always trying to pick up a few more kids that maybe didn't get it the year before. And, I had a teacher tell me once that they, they do review until the end of October. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what I would do with, um, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, if you're a regular listener listening, but uh, with Saxon Math, they have the tests and they have what lessons the question, each question on the test came from. And so mm-hmm. what I would do when I was using Saxon Math is I'd run my kids through the first few tests. And if they ace them, I didn't make them do all the lessons for that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I've done that because they didn't always start the textbook in September. So, you know, they finished it maybe in February and then we started the next textbook. So I just jump ahead to page 40 or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and then or you could have them go back and just do the lesson on the one concept that they didn't do well on on the test. And so then you're eliminating like, you know, usually you're behind on everything or at least my kids always were. And so to have, um, to be the hero and say, wow, you get to skip the first third of your textbook because you did so well on all these tests and you already understand the concepts. Yeah. That's that so It's so encouraging. <laughs> so encouraging. <laughs> but speaking to being behind, I did learn not to plan out my whole year on my beautifully designed and printed uh, planner books that I made for the kids without mm-hmm. leaving like margin pages and catch-up days and things like that and with one of my kids it was always discouraging so um, I learned to write down what she did accomplish instead of looking at what she we I hoped she would accomplish and she didn't and you know what she's on the dean's honor list in college <laughs> she's fine <laughs> but it was just for encouragement right to talk about all yeah that. Did accomplish I used, instead of I used, sunlight. I used sunlight for a couple of years and and the one thing that I got from well I got lots of things from that it's a great program but one of the things that I got from it is that they don't put dates on it they just have week one week two so if, if I was gonna plan a whole year I would just you know put day one day two whatever and and then just work through it and check mark and it, it doesn't then you never feel like you're behind you know what I mean? You don't have, yeah. oh, look at that. We're two weeks behind or something. If you didn't put dates on it, then yeah. Yeah. And then if you take a week off to harvest the garden or, you know, if you have out of out of company family coming, like out of yep. family coming or anything like that, you can. Or sometimes people get that. sick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not mama, though. She's not allowed to get. No, sick. no, no. <laughs> no, I don't believe <laughs> sick. <laughs> Yeah, but we have good immune systems because of all the germs that our kids give us. So it must be good. Yep. What has been one of your best homeschooling moments or things that you've just loved the most about homeschooling? Um, I really love teaching them to read. It's it's slow and painful at the beginning. 
and they're easily frustrated and you have to tread carefully. But once they just, they get to a certain point, then it's, then they just catch on quickly. You know, it's like watching a, a two-year-old learn how to talk every day, new words. And you know, it, it goes fast after you get to a certain point, after they know their letters sound solid and, and how to blend word sounds together. And yeah, that's always exciting. I love that teaching them to read and also seeing how the adult children are doing in their post-secondary studies. They're getting good marks and that feels good because you, when you're, when you're homeschooling, you're just not always certain. We didn't, we didn't do tests and stuff. I just kind of knew if they understood the concept on this lesson, then they were ready for the next lesson. So I didn't bother with tests, but, but you're always wondering, you know, I don't know, is this going okay? <laughs> you know, will they be prepared? And then, but when they do, do well. And you're like, ah, yes. <laughs> it's really so. true. Our, my oldest two, um, well, one did it online and the other did it in person, but um, we decided that they wanted to have their um, Ontario secondary school diplomas uh, just to make it easier for them to get into post-secondary and they wanted yep. to kind of go out into the wide world a little more and so on. And they were in grade 12. So, you know, it's yep. totally fine. So, but they both like aced everything and just said, compared to homeschooling, this is so easy, mom. And so our younger two reaped the rewards of that because then I was a bit more relaxed because I wasn't so worried yep. about it. Yeah. Like I knew it'd be fine. And the younger two did just fine as well. So mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, you don't know and you have nothing to measure it against. So it's that. Can yeah. And, and when I was young and starting out in my early twenties, I, I was, I was out of high school and college, like freshly out of high school and college, you know, where you, where you get marked on everything, but nobody was marking me on, on how good I was at parenting and how good I was. At, and so you always, I don't know, I've gotten, I've gotten over that now, but I guess that's the joy of grandchildren, all the things that you've learned about parenting from trial and error over all of the years and whatever books you could read and scriptures you could read and so on and having mentors. And then, so by the time you're a grandparent, it's like, oh, I would be a much better parent now than, <laughs> than I, you know, would have been. Was yeah, before, your, your because you've never level, done it before. Your patience level keeps growing too. It's true. You don't sweat the small stuff. No, I remember crying once because my firstborn, who was two years old, wasn't falling asleep. And I was in tears. I look back and I think, oh, my goodness, they all fall asleep. Eventually. <laughs> Eventually. Why did I stress about that? Well, also because people are, they have a false definition of what sleeping through the night is, too. Mm -hmm. So you know they're like are they sleeping through the night and you're like no but when they say sleeping through the night they mean like from midnight till like five o'clock in the morning or something whereas I thought sleeping through the night was they went to bed at like eight o'clock at night and woke up at like seven in the morning like that's mm. through the night so once you realize that they only mean are you getting like a four hour stretch at a time what they mean is are you getting enough sleep that's what they mean yeah <laughs> The answer to that is no. <laughs> the answer to that is almost. I almost got enough sleep. <laughs> well, my husband didn't, my husband didn't uh, 
understand why I was tired all the time. And I mean, I only have four, but I had four in six years. So it was pretty busy. And so he's a math guy. So I added up all of the hours of sleep deprivation that I'd had during those years. And I said, if I were to make sleeping my full-time job, like from nine to five, I, it would be two years to catch up on my sleep, not just, you know, the, not like that's including my night sleeping, but just to catch up on what I missed two years of a full-time job of just sleeping. So once I explained it mathematically to him like that, then he was like, okay, I totally get it now. And then I could hear him telling other husbands, you know, your wife is tired. She's probably lost two years of sleep. So you need to help her. And that was, that's the best math I ever did. Yeah. (laughs) If you could go back and change something in your homeschool or do something differently, what would it be? I think I would have made a like a closer connection with one or two other homeschool families to to get together more often um when we first started homeschooling with the older three there was there was a nice teen group um that was getting together I think about once a month or something and and they had a lot of fun together but but then they kind of aged out and and then it wasn't happening anymore but but now, especially during COVID, you know, they, they don't have friends to reach out to. They have each other. They're, they play with each other. And, and I don't want to underestimate how, you know, what that is for them. But I think it would have been nice if they had some friends close, a bit more with friends, especially when they're teens. When they're, when they're younger, it doesn't matter as much, I don't think. But as they become teens and they getting closer to adulthood I think that would have been good yes and it's hard um, in high school with homeschoolers often people stop homeschooling uh, for (laughs) high school and I know my son was always blessed with like three families of boys that he could hang out with and they went to the same church and you know played music together and all of that but our daughters just always had trouble um having good long-term friends like that were homeschooled as well or even that weren't so um, yeah. I know that was a lack for them and it wasn't for lack of trying <laughs> it wasn't yeah we joined the Simcoe County high school homeschoolers group and so that tided them over <laughs> for a little while but yeah. yeah it's hard being a teenage girl anyway <laughs> that's for sure what advice would you give a new homeschooler just starting out? Um, for the their younger kids, if their kids are, you know, kindergarten, grade one, grade two, grade three, that kind of age, I I would just really emphasize reading aloud to them. Read aloud, read, learn so much from listening to you read to them. Um, I think that's the one thing that will have the most impact on their academic success in the future is to read a lot to them. Um, And for the older kids, I think let them have some input in what they're going to study. Some of them are more inclined to math and sciences. So let them explore that a bit more. Uh, You know, once they're getting into their teen years, then they're ready to start 
focusing on the things that interest them and, and who they're meant to be and, and what future they have, you know, and, and they're old enough to start making some decisions, you know, <laughs> if they, how they want to present what they've learned to you or what they, how they like doing it, you know, or what books they like to read, uh, things like that. I would, I would let them have some, some say in it. I think that's one of the downfalls of public school is that they're told exactly what to learn and when to learn it and how to show what they're. And I think that takes a lot of the excitement out of learning. And then when they're finished high school, they're not interested in learning anymore. It's just a chore. And so I, I think if you want to keep them curious and interested, then you need to, to let them have some input for, for everybody, whatever age they're at, I think making sure that you find the right level of challenge without frustrating them. Um, because if you're just trying to teach only at what the public school level is, uh, then, it, then they get disheartened and frustrated if they're not quite catching on or they get bored if it's just too easy and you don't want either of those. So you, you want them just challenged enough. Um, and I think they'll learn the most efficiently that way. If that they like good advice. Yeah. And if you could leave the listeners with just a word of encouragement, what would that be? Um, I, I thought of a few things. Um, it can be more than one word of encouragement. You okay. have enough experience <laughs> that you deserve to share more than one word of encouragement with us. All right. Well, the kids in school are going to school from nine in the morning till three thirty. Homeschooling does not take that much time. They're they're not home. They're when they're in the public school. Not all those hours are for learning. That's one thing. But also, in the public school system, they need to test the students. They have to give them tests and and do this assignment and stuff in order to see where each child's at. Because you can't keep track of thirty students that well, you know. But when you've got just your your little family, then you don't need to spend so many so much time testing and and doing things like that. So it's it's just more efficient, and you don't need that many hours to homeschool. And so you can not- double up your kids for some things too, right? Like you don't have to yeah, yeah. do separate history for each kid. You can yeah, we did that, that all together. There's no yeah. reason they need to learn about frogs in this grade and planets in that grade. They can learn it together. Yeah. Um, I think that parents have a great advantage over public school teachers because they know what their child's interested in and they can also read their children's mood easier to see if they're getting frustrated then they can you know hold back a little or offer the words of encouragement that they think that they understand will be encouraging for their child you know I just think they have an advantage over teachers um I did a lot of sneaky school with my kids instead of spending so much time on workbooks and stuff we we did like for bedtime stories, I'd read historical fiction. But I didn't tell them it was school, of course. <laughs> and they just wanted one more chapter, one more chapter. <laughs> they didn't realize that 
this is homeschooling. That's right um, up my alley. Yep. And um, when whenever they had questions or anything, we just Google it. I love having the answers in my pocket. <laughs> so they learn lots of things that way or playing games or just throwing some educational videos on. I think that was uh, a nice way to to make school seem like less work to them. But actually, they're learning all the time. And I think one of the nicest things for me was to rediscover the joy of learning. I learned so much from teaching my kids. I did not know what a preposition was. I had completely forgotten. But apparently there's, you know, all kinds of things to learn that I had forgotten. And I really enjoyed it. I love learning alongside with the kids. I think learning should be lifelong. And I I love that one thing about homeschooling is I see that my kids want to continue learning. They're, They're curious about things and interested in things. And I think that's, that's the ultimate goal. I think is that you always have a learning attitude and yeah, I enjoyed it. (laughs) It was great. Those are great words of encouragement and hopefully we'll, um, encourage those who are not yet homeschooling to go ahead and try it and encourage those who are that it doesn't have to look like some box or some school, but that, you know, you can add in variety and you can be creative and, and it all works out because learning, as you said, is a lifelong thing. Yeah. It's so much more fun learning when you don't have to write an exam on everything. I find. True. Actually, I, I even went back to school. I took some online university. I'm halfway through a degree now. I mean, I'm not doing it very quickly, but (laughs) I'm getting there. But, but yeah, I like the, uh, the learning I do on my own better than the learning for a test or whatever. I have to agree with that. Still good for you going back to school. I know I definitely toy with that idea when I get some time, but um, I think it's, do you think that, like, I think I would be a better student now than I was when I was, you know, teenager and 20s, because it was just like the next step, the next step, get it done, get the degree. And some things interested me more than others. But I think if I were to go back now, I would be a much better student, being more of a lifelong learner as opposed to... Yeah, they'll really understand how much you've learned along the way. Yeah. I'm sure that when I was 20, I could not have written as good an essay as I could after I was homeschooling for a few years. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It was nice to chat with you. And um, I'm glad that our listeners got a chance to get to know you and hear your wisdom. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. You can find helpful links and show notes for this episode at our website, canadahomeschools.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and leave a rating and positive review on your podcast provider. This will help others find their dose of inspiration and encouragement. Happy homeschooling, Canada! Hee <laughs> hee!